All couples have their problems, and no one can really know what goes on behind closed doors. Relationships end all the time, and tonight's couple was no different. From the outside, Herb was patient, loving, and never lost his temper. They were a couple that just didn't fight. What could possibly drive a man to murder and push his wife through a 12-story window out of the blue? Did he just snap, or was there something more? For those on live chat, make yourself known. I know Darren was uh, waiting for us. He also changed his name to Ken Jollins on Patreon. Did he? (laughs) (laughs) He did. That's a big hit. It is. I love it. Um, And our surprise shot dedication will have to be for Deed today, who got us just a such a lovely Thanksgiving present, mm-hmm. um, some amazing New Mexico pinon coffee, mm-hmm. and Nicole loves her mug. I've been drinking out of it since, actually. I'm I love. Not, I'm not shocked. Um, here, go, let's take a shot so I can relax a little bit. I'm all up on. <laughs> Wolfie's like, yes, take the shot. Also, okay. I like to co- the comment that Wolfie says she likes her Thanksgiving traditions, watching dad and brother screen at the football game and as me and my mom get drunk. Yes, I did. Ah, get, traditions. I did get drunk. I drank two bottles of wine. Nice. So there was that. Ooh. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. This one's for you, D. Thank you for this, sending us gifts. Is this Jaeger? No. Cheers. Oh, it tastes <sighs> like root beer. Was that 99 root beer? Uh, it was. I like that. That was good. That made my nose itchy. <laughs> what the hell? That would be good with um, seltzer oh. water and ice cream as a float. Oh, mm. oh yeah, it would. Woo. <sighs> I know I didn't release any episodes last week, but we got a couple lined up. Not going to try for the 300 anymore. Probably not going to hit it, so I don't want to be disappointed. Plus, I'm not going to put out anything, you know, that's not high quality, or at least my quality. My quality. High quality or my quality? I don't know. Which quality? <laughs> also, we uh, we found some marketing, extra marketing budget, some cash under the couch, if you will, and we are giving it away at least until the end of the year. I knew I was missing my $5 bill. <laughs> <laughs> We're giving it away via Amazon gift card. So what I got set up now for this episode, you're about to hear. And the next one, which is the Joe Airdy story from Malachi. A great story. And all the rest, at least until the, the new year. We're giving away a $25 Amazon gift card weekly. And how you can win that is very simple. Just go to the post, comment like always, and you'll see a box right above there. Just put the same email you use for the comment into that little box. It's all automated, automatic. I don't even, you know, I, you won't hear from me or anything every week, the end of the week. So you have three, two or three chances to comment and enter into this weekly. Okay, so you can do it every week. You just comment on there, a thoughtful comment. But you put your email address in there, and then it'll randomly raffle whoever, whoever's email address. Make sure it's the same email address as your Amazon, so you will automatically get the balance into your Amazon account. Yeah, no using fake emails or people's 
work emails. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to see the email. So whatever email is in there is going to send a $25 gift card virtually to that email for Amazon. So make sure it's the right one. And that's automatic. It's going to be like a raffle thing every week. So comment on the post is what we're trying to get. I, I don't have social media or anything, so I really enjoy the comments. And and I've been trying to engage more with the comments. And, and I, I really like when you guys comment. And um, for you guys, for our podcast listeners, we are on live chat right now. We got Darren and Wolfie with us here. And I got a great story tonight. And actually, I want to do another surprise shot in a little bit during the story to one of the family members of this story, which I had uh, been in contact with. So cool. I'll do a shot for her here in a little bit. Oh, uh, welcome to our newest Taco Supremo, Jessica. Hey, Jessica. Thank welcome. you. Thank you for joining. Well, I guess we got two shots to do now. <laughs> well, well, we'll just, we, we've you know, got I, a line we, we up here. We could have done this on Wednesday when I didn't have to go uh, to work the next day. And now I have to return to work tomorrow. I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Uh, yeah, Jen got fucking drunk on Wednesday. Did I? Yeah, yeah and you do what you always... All right, this is this is Jen's thing. Hey, guys, you want to watch a movie? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> it's five minutes into the movie. She you is, asked to watch She a movie. is snoring on the couch. Was she I has snoring? done this 300 times. I don't know if you were snoring, but you definitely fell asleep. I definitely fell asleep, but you're the one that said, can we put on a movie? No, no, that's you. That's you, I promise you, because... Nicole, the whole time she was in the kitchen, she's like, John, are you looking for a movie? And subconsciously, I, I'm a, I was telling her, yes, I'm looking for a movie. I'm still looking. But in my mind, I'm like, hell no, because I know how this is going to happen. Five minutes into it, after expending all this energy picking a movie, she's going to be snoring. And then we're just going to go to bed and leave her on the couch like we always do, or the floor, wh wherever she ends up. So I've got a great story. Actually... This is a request from our good friend and Taco Supremo. He's on live chat right now. Darren, this look, is look. actually Ooh. a request from you. It's definitely one of those unbelievable stories, but we have a uh, good insider take to it. And if you're new here, this is your first time. I put all my sources on talkmurder.com. This is episode, well, you'll see it. Kind of lost track of the moment. What episode I, number this is? I haven't put out 281, episodes. Two eighty one, I think. Right, two eighty one. You'll see it front and center, especially if you uh, the centerfold. Yes, you'll see it in the centerfold. I also have a few good episodes this week. We already recorded the Joe Arity story, which is mm. sad. Very yeah. sad. Very sad. I'm also going to put out Nicole's episode of Sugar, Sugar Babe. Babe. I, I wanted I, to watch the movie. I haven't watched it yet. I do <laughs> want to go and put some sound clips in there to make it more easy to follow. Nothing on her, but there's so much. Um, the so branches the, the bran go straight up instead of outward. The, the family tree branches kind of <laughs> zigzag. Yeah. They're diagonal. Uh, they're and intertwined. Then, and then enter into they're the like bottom of the tree they're, again. They're, they're, <laughs> they're vines instead of branches. <laughs> the vine yeah. goes back in. Did you ever see Evil Dead where the tree tries nope. to. If it's a horror movie, then no. The tree basically rapes that lady, the branches. That sounds a lot like Little Shop creepy. of Horrors. 
with uh no the Jurassic Park guy. How did that happen? What Jurassic Park guy? Oh wait, Little Shop of Horrors. I'm thinking of something else, The Fly or something. With Jeff uh Jack Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. No, he is not in that movie. However, um the guy from Honey I Shrunk the Kid. Oh, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis is in it. Steve Martin is in it. Oh, also, Steve my friend, um, well, my sister's friend from elementary school, the kids that I used to babysit there, and also my high school um, chemistry teacher. He was also my eighth grade teacher. Anyway, they're related to Carrie Butler, who originated the role on Broadway. I have a cousin that's in Forrest Gump. As an extra? Yeah, he's an extra. He is the, uh, you remember the redhead kids that were running after him mm-hmm. he's one of those i have to show you which i one. didn't know that yeah that's cool I, that's because i remember he came back and that it was, is a great movie yeah it is a great movie it really is i could i could stand to watch that movie i wouldn't fall asleep during it tonight we're going to uh january 7th 1991 at 1 30 p.m it's a monday 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 220 east 72nd street bum 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 Wait, bum bum i didn't bum, even go there bum Manhattan. Where did it go? What is this? Dot spread in the news. Where's my little arrow? What the freak? All right, here's where we're going. Right here. Oh, there's my arrow. Right there. I can't see what they're saying. What is this, Jen? That is a building. It's an apartment building. So I said we're going to 1991. What day did I say? January 7th. Oh, dang, Jen. On fire. You think I don't pay attention, but I do. Just because I fall asleep easily doesn't mean I don't pay attention. There's two separate things. All right, guys, count up with me. We are at 220 East 72nd Street. Let's count up these floors here. Number one, two. One, two. And try to put yourself in the floor, if you will. So one, two, three. I'm getting dizzy. I don't like this. Four, five, six, seven, Eight, nine. I like literally. I'm getting dizzy. I don't like this. Ten, 10 11, 11, 12. That's where we're going tonight. In the middle of the building. In the Whoa. middle of the building. That's pretty high. She's so high. That is really high. What do you guys think? High above. I'm afraid me. of heights. I also am afraid of heights, but more specifically, afraid of ladders. I'm also afraid of ladders, but I do not like standing on a balcony or any. Uh, no, 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 no. Mm, that's kind of okay, but it I is not I, okay I for need me. like a I I need a ten foot ladder so I can put the Christmas lights up over my garage, but I don't have one of those. Nope. So the twelfth floor apartment. These angles B, are terrible. B for Bravo. I was right, right? Isn't that where yep. I pointed? Mm-hmm. So right there. So. Describe this building for us. Obviously, this is in New York, and I don't think we have any New Yorkers here. Uh-huh. Do we? No. Nope. Not on live chat. We do have some Tacos Primos that are living in New York, and I don't see how they do it, man. I mean, this would give me- Too many people. So much anxiety. It's not even the buildings. It's the amount of people on the streets. Yeah. But yeah, so that's where we're going. 12B, 220, 72nd Street, 12th floor. And Jen, if you want to read this. End of loving pair. Hubby charged with mate's death. Wife tossed out window. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Tonight's story is relatively unknown, but it is a landmark case. 
the and I'm not going to tell you why. Oh, I was just going to ask why. And Nicole's a little familiar with the story, but and she's not going to tell you why either yet. So but, I'm the only one that doesn't know. Well, Nicole knows some of it. I know a little bit. Oh, I also know a little bit, kind of, because I think this is the message I forwarded to you. Only disclaimer, I was helping John prep for his interview, which was on Thanksgiving evening. Yes. So after we were, you know, pulling cows out of the mud, John spent three hours interviewing someone. Yeah. So as I said before, January 7, 1991, 1.30 p.m. Monday, 1.30 p.m., downtown new york or wherever this is very busy there's a skyscraper now this is upper east side kind of a ritzy neighborhood but still 1 30 p.m broad daylight in on monday exactly though a, a woman falls is pushed shoved or whatever we're going to get into it out of the 12th floor window their windows are allowed to open I mean, I so. I, this is 1991. I mean, I mean, it's an apartment that they own, so I guess so, yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's I'm not like a hotel. Like a, yeah, I'm thinking yeah, of a hotel. Not like a hotel. But think about that, because as you guys saw, this is the 12th floor. When, when I scrolled up, y'all saw that that was the front of the apartment yes. building. So like onto, onto 72nd Street. So people are walking by. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the and this sounds screwed up, but... I'd be afraid that the woman would hit someone. So, all right, let's say the husband pushed oh her out gosh. the window. Yeah, you know the penny he theory. He could be the what? The penny theory. Like, people throw coins. If someone threw a penny off the top of the Empire State Building, it would kill someone underneath. So, you imagine oh, really? if a whole person is falling out hmm. at the at the that the trajectory of that body, if they landed on someone, would also... In- yeah, it would hit Doom. terminal velocity, which I'm not sure how fast it is, but I know it's fast. More than 9.8. Yeah, so like when you like fall it. from something, you you go fast, fast, fast until you hit a speed where you're not going any faster or slower anymore. I think anymore. you're right, 9.8 meters per second? That's gravity. Well, then that's terminal velocity, because it's the same thing. Good job, Jen. I I did remember Look something from physics Good class. Good job. I get a gold Jen. star. <laughs> I do want to bring the gold stars here. <laughs> oh my gosh, we should get a like sticker chart. I know, I've been trying to do that. <gasps> yes, I just keep forgetting. We can put it on the towel. Yes. I like it. Okay. What Jen read right there was from the Newsday 08 January 1991. And also the bottom headline there is from Daily News 09 January 1991. End of loving pair. And loving, as you see, is... In quotations. In quotations. Uh, Sydney on live chat says, knew someone, knew someone would go flying out a, a window. That I mean, think about it. 12th floor, we counted them. That is... I mean, I will say, this is going to sound really morbid, but my cousin passed away from falling out just a... Uh, second it was floor, a second right? floor. Um, unsecured, not real balcony. Oh my god! I had a dog that died jumping off a balcony. Didn't you also have a dog who died who died jumping, jumping into, into a fireplace? fireplace? Yes, I know, Jen. Both are so sad. My dogs are all jumpers. Well, <laughs> at least they're not runners. And they don't try to run away from you. Well, he she jumped out the out the balcony. It was a little Jack Russell because she had anxiety, um, separation anxiety, and we didn't know she could fit through the rails, but. 
She did. That's sad. I'm sorry for your loss. And then the fireplaces, which is why I'm always trying to shut the doors of the yeah. fireplace because I don't want our little ones to jump in there. I was going to set a fire for Thanksgiving, but then they, uh, Tara and Jean were like, oh, you should make sure there's no hornet's nest because we tried to light a fire and then like all these dust covered like, oh my God. hornets came flying down. Not in my house, in their house. And I was like, that's a good point. Yeah. Barbara Weinstein was the victim. She was 56 year old. 56 years old. Her husband, Herbert Weinstein, who was a little older, he, it came out real quick that he pushed her out the window. Hmm. Okay. They're not related to like Harvey Weinstein, are they? I don't think so. No, but they, they are Jewish, but I don't think they're related to... I had a Weinstein. There's a lot of Weinsteins. It's a very popular popular Jewish name. So um, one neighbor told the media about Barbara, the 56 year old, quote, she's an extremely fine lady. We knew her socially. We had dinner with them occasionally. She and her husband seemed to get on fine, end quote. Now, this building right here is in the Upper East Side. I I don't know, New York. It's ritzy. It's, It's where the more wealthier clientele or the more wealthier residents live in this building. Where is it in relation to Central Park? Is it close to Central Park? We did the Google Earth. I wasn't paying attention. Oh, my God. I don't know where Central Park is. I don't know where New York is. We accidentally drove through it once. We we, we drove through Gilbert the other day, and it was like nothing but cows. He showed, oh, my gosh, Jen. He showed me his house. Where the tuba he, is? And he showed where where the tuba would be. Shh, no, you don't talk about the Just tuba. Just x-ray on the tuba egg. All right, Nicole, read this. Another neighbor said they were a fantastic couple. This was the second marriage for both. They were very even tempered. He was quiet. He looked refined. We went out to dinner together. I can't understand what must have gone through his head. I can't understand what made him do it. Hmm. How could he do that? Asked Marie Therese Marie Maurice, a neighbor who she often chatted with Barbara Weinstein in the elevator. I left the building yesterday, Monday at 1.30 and saw all the police. I thought someone had a heart attack. And what you just read there was from the Daily News, the 9th of January, 1991. Barbara, the victim, the one that flew out the window, as Sydney said earlier, she was found, I mean... Try to imagine what a body would look like falling that um, high. That's no, why we I don't went want to. up that high. So mm-hmm. I can really show you the the gravity of the situation. Like how that is pretty high, man. Yeah, that is pretty freaking high. You're not going to survive that. You're not no. going to you're not going to die hard off the roof with a fire hose. No. Well, you think about it as like 12 stories and how high are the ceilings in between each floor? Are they like six foot ceilings or nine foot ceilings? It doesn't matter. It's well, not just not, like definitely not six. No, Jen, if it's six foot ceilings, you would be hitting your head. You're six feet tall. Why, why would you? <laughs> well, I. I we get, I get it. Ten figure, that ten feet. Ma- it doesn't matter. Jen, you okay. are literally over six feet. You would be. She's. No, I'm, I am under. between five eleven and a half and six feet, depending on the day. Number uh. one. Number two. But it doesn't matter what number I'm giving. It, you know, it, it's not like it's, it kind of does. But it's not. It's not like it's two feet between the floors. It's like you, know, you have like so. If you let's say it's ten foot ceilings, just for math's sake, twelve. That's over a hundred feet tall. 
<laughs> please do Correct. not. Please do not take anything Jen says. You, you, it, uh, okay. I, yes, okay. Jen, 100 feet in the air. I, yeah, it says right here in this paper it was 100 feet. And then it says, quote, Jen is correct, end quote. <laughs> Laugh all you want. I'm sorry I made a mathematical error in the ceiling. 9.8 meters per second. That was impressive. Correct. Let's just stick with that. Okay, the point is well, that. Well, let me check it now. Fuck. <laughs> Terminal. Velocity. I didn't That's say right. it was terminal velocity. I said that was the gra- rate of gravity. Barbara was clad in a blue nightgown. She was obviously dead on the pavement. One neighbor said about Barbara, she was, quote, a well-kept person. She always, she was always put together. Her makeup and outfit were always just so, end quote. And I'm going to show you a picture of Barbara here. She's very, let, let me just say this now. Her first husband owned owned a lot of not only properties, but businesses too. He was a huge entrepreneur and he owned a plastics company, like huge. And he owned properties, buildings, skyscrapers, real estate all around the world, vacation homes. I mean, I don't know billionaire or not, but very wealthy guy. So that was her first husband. So her settlement from that, whatever it was, was very large you know what i'm saying so that's why people are saying she was always put together she was always her makeup and outfit were always just so you know and i'm i'm going into this because this is i mean you literally saw my family freaking in cow shit (laughs) this is this is like alien to me We were dazed. Uh, It's so puzzling, said Levy. They seemed like an excellent couple. She told me about a week ago how happy she was with Herbert. She had a lot of respect for him, and he seemed to enjoy that. The Weinsteins were planning a vacation in Puerto Rico, Levy said, and spent the holidays making road trips to Atlantic City, attending movies and eating out. They were really running, Levy said. They were having fun. She said Weinstein was a very calm man who never lost his temper with his wife. You're going to hear tonight how great of a man and a father Herbert Weinstein was. The question here, and the reason I'm giving you these quotes and stuff, is because no one saw this coming. Herbert Weinstein was a phenomenal man to his children. He was a philanthropist. He was well-respected in the community. He never ever according to the children ever had any violent tendencies tendencies one of his friends uncle frank not his uncle but what his daughter calls uncle frank has known him for 56 years never not once in all of their relationship has he ever seen herbert weinstein get angry lose his temper flip out Especially push his wife, who we love dearly, out of a 12-story window. Never. Here's the thing. He never lied either. When he was arrested, the only time he was known to lie by his own daughter, this is by her statement, was the first five minutes when he was arrested. And he tried to make up something. Oh, she fell or whatever. Five minutes later, he's like, you know what? You know me. I don't lie. 
And they're like, Herbert, why did you lie then? Why'd you lie about that? He said, well, if there was ever a time to lie, I guess it was then. Then he just turns around, tells him everything because he's that type of guy. He's well-respected. He's a very successful businessman and which is, you know, kind of goes into, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the billionaire murders we did. Mm, yes. That, oh, yes. I, yeah. The and Richie Rich I didn't. Re- I didn't re- no, not. <laughs> I remember you putting in tiger noises. No, in not that one. I'm talking about the Shermans. Oh, they were a, the, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. A billionaire couple. Um, that that episode really didn't get that great feedback. I don't. I, I want to revisit it because I think I could have did a lot better. But that couple, the, the husband. The Sherman husband was very ruthless as a businessman. He was a billionaire, but he was very ruthless. Mm. He had a lot of enemies. So we think of that like Shark Tank, just ruthless, all this stuff. I feel like there's two types of successful businessmen. The the, the stand-up guys that, you know, people he, he will love working for and will do anything for. Like Richard really- Branson, yeah. And then you have like the people who are just cutthroat and will do anything for that dollar. And I'm not saying, I mean, like I said, (laughs) like John Perry. Yeah. Not every person is like that. They all, everyone has their own separate motivations and it's just, it's kind of interesting to see. Did you bring me a beer? I did. It's right in front of you. Oh, okay. Cool. What? Nothing. You didn't want that kind? Do you want the peanut butter beer? No. Go ahead, Jen. Drink the peanut butter beer. No, no. I think she got it for you. The peanut butter. She did not get that for me. You got it for me? Yeah, she did. You just said no. I, she I did. did. I got it for anyone who wanted it. It's the peanut butter and jelly beer. I know what it is. Edmund's Oast is great. We need to go on the brewery tour on the yeah. bus when it gets a little bit the warmer. San, out. Tia Santa. Yes. Tia. What do you do, Tia? You a businesswoman? <gasps> Tia. I love that I'm her favorite. You have a very pretty name. Is it spelled with the capital T like that? All right, let me talk about the uh, relationship real quick. Both the couple both are on their second marriage. They uh, Herbert the the killer has two kids of his own. The youngest child that he has actually chimes in for tonight's episode. I interviewed her. Her name is Joni West. Hey, Joni, thanks for interviewing us, John. <laughs> well, that's a- that's I know. St- I know it's not. A, I know it's a still picture. I'm just <laughs> shouting her out in the episode. St- I'm pretty sure I want to be like Joni because I think it's awesome that she has blue hair and she's in her seventies. I think I've interviewed quite a bit of people, and this is definitely my favorite interview. She was. It was almost like she's here just talking to it. I mean, it was so easy to interview her. It was just very personal kind of thing has she has she heard our our, our podcast yeah she before? she's a an active listener of our podcast oh good so yeah she knows what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> wait do i need to go get a shot for joni yeah, yeah. get a shot for joni and so, i'm gonna pee so this one's for joni do i sing is this a surprise yeah, shot sing her for yeah, the shot joni this is for you thank you for reaching out to us i appreciate it Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. I don't Cheers. like that this is clear liquor. I think we're going to like it, though. It's like Annie. I think I'm going to like it here. Which Annie Live is airing next week. Ooh, wee, what is that? I don't like that. That's like blueberry or something. <laughs> no, it's um, it's fruit punch something. Y'all can't be mixing these like whiskey. It is and- not. 
Oh, uh, well. The way y'all mix these liquors, man. Is- okay. I was- Nicole is in charge of the surprise shots recently, so don't blame me. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to bring some surprise shots here? Yeah, I will. Okay, fine. Just ask me to. Sometimes I, I do. Bring some. Sometimes I do. Bring some, because I I just got yelled at. Up. I just got yelled at. I am trying to get good mm. ones. That was cherry limeade. I like that. Oh, I can taste it now. Sonic. That was cherry limeade Smirnoff. That was pretty good. All right, so uh, the book we're reading is her book, Full Frontal Murder, which is a great freaking cover, man. Whoa. Look at that. Oh. Pretty cool cover there. I like that. Yeah. This is a brand new book. It's, it's extremely well written. She's a first time author, so I'm definitely going to link this on talkmore.com. You read it and it's almost like she's, well, number one, she doesn't hold back anything, which I definitely respect because a lot of authors you can tell do. She tells it like it is, even the, what was what's the thing they say, warts and all type of thing. She is not afraid to tell her life story how it is. And I really respect that. Anyway, this right here is Herbert. And his wife. Oh, they look like a very nice couple. They look very respectable. Now, I believe she didn't send me any contacts with this. And I couldn't find it is anywhere. This in the 50s? No, I believe this is the first wife. So the first wife, Joni's real mother, biological mother, mother. Yeah, biological mother is Belle. And oh, she, she's beautiful. In the book, she'll talk about how her mother, her biological mother, I don't. She was abusive to her, wasn't she? Was she was abu- not oh, not physically, no. but emotionally abusive. Oh no! Also, the stepmother was abusive too. So Belle, her biological mother, gets lung cancer and then passes a month oh. later. After her, Joni died, after Joni was born, she died a month after yes, Joni was born. Yeah, actually, uh, right after Joni, who you're going to see a video tonight. Oh who, wait, she had three mothers. No, 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 no. This bell is her. She died when she was older. Yeah, she just graduated high school and she died. This was a two year battle with lung cancer. Very sad. And Joni, she was telling me about the, I mean, let's just be honest, the horrible way that her biological mother treated her a month after she died. The father remarried. Oh, that's like quick. A, yeah, but he I, met the woman a month later. Yeah. He married a year later. But, but oh, like, I, okay, but sorry. you hear and you'll hear Johnny talk about it here How in a second. How did they meet through like a grief group? No, it was. I mean, they're they're all wealthy, so through some sort of social interaction, social yeah. connection. But anyway, I don't like this Zoom thing. Was Zoom like? Oh, look at that cute picture of John. Makes. Oh, he's so happy. Oh, come on, what? I'm so happy. I don't want what's the deal with Zoom? It like shows you and then shows them. It's, it yeah. gives you a fucking headache. Zoom, man. zoom, zoom. I'm anyway. Go boom, boom. So I grew up in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey, which is an upper middle class town. And I lived a very privileged life. Um, my parents were married. Um, they got married late for their generation. My mother was 33 and my father was 31 when they got married. She had grown up on a on a kind of farm in New Jersey with six siblings. There were six siblings. She was, uh, I don't know, third. She was somewhere in the middle. And, um, and my father grew up in the city. So sort of a, sort of a New Jersey farm girl and a city boy. And um, they met, they got married. 
had my brother, had me two years later, um, and lived in a very typical New Jersey middle-class town. And then my father was doing really well in business and um, he was making a lot of money and he had this house built for us in Englewood Cliffs, which um, is, a, is a very- Hollywood, uh, right? Ho- Hollywood- um, Hollywood Avenue. Have Hollywood Avenue, yeah. And, and your father was, I know eventually he went to, um, did he start a plumber? Cause I know your granddad- My grandfather was a, was a, was a licensed plumber. plumber. Right. He was a plumbing contractor. My grandfather, who died when my father was in his teens, so I never met him. But, oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. But my father was in the advertising business, um, mostly yeah. in, in what they call transit advertising. So um, he bought the company. He was doing really well selling outdoor advertising, like billboards and bus shelters, um, ads on uh, anything that was transit. So uh, buses, buses, billboards, you know, trains, whatnot. And, um, and then he eventually uh, bought a business. That was in the the mad, the mad men era too, right? The mad men. Yeah. Yes. I've never watched mad men, but I know the show, you know, I know the show and it's pretty Don Draper. He was Mm. uh, doing this, I guess it was in the, I was born in 61. So he was doing this in the mad men era. It was the fifties. right? So Mm. um, great show. yeah so it's kind of trippy because when you started talking i almost looked at you and i was like oh he's talking i gotta pay attention oh yeah because i'm the man right (laughs) (laughs) but i i do want to comment i love how her setup is you can see her book there in the corner and then the brain defense which is you know kind of looks like the books that she used kind of for her research but i think that's that's pretty cool that she has that set up right yeah yeah so she is very interested in uh the the brain and i actually told her so this is her first book and it's phenomenal if you go to amazon you can see the reviews and they're all they're all exactly how i would review it it and i would like to read it and i'm not a reader but i would like to read it you can the book is called the book is yeah you can take that home because i got a signed copy coming oh I want a signed really copy. <laughs> that's awesome. That's cool. Wait, Joni, can you send me a signed copy too? <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> but um, is she gonna listen to this episode? Yeah, she's gonna listen to it. But that is uh, a little bit. That is from her growing up. Now she's the one that wrote this book, so she is the best source about this story. The question tonight that that I tried to put forward, and I know we don't know much about the father yet, but very successful, very. A very respectable person, nonviolent, just extremely kind to everyone. Mm. How does he get from that to, or what happened? Like, what happened that made him throw his wife out of the window? Right. He loved his wife. He loved his first wife, Belle. He loved his. Was it like a fit of rage or like. Well, even a fit of rage. To throw someone out the window, yeah, that, that requires opening the window, true, you know, too. So, and some other stuff that happened prior to that, which we're going to talk about, but because mm. there was some domestic stuff that has never happened before that had happened right then. But so that's the question tonight: is like, how do we get this guy? And I'm going to try to tell you, I'm going to try to get you to understand that how how good of a guy he was and she'll talk a lot about him but how do we get to that how do we get to throwing his wife his lovely wife out of a window that's that's the question Mm. 
Sydney on live chat says, is there a paranormal element? Good question. No, but (laughs) (laughs) there, there is. There's I'm not laughing at the question. I'm laughing at the answer. <laughs> no, but it's there's something totally unexpected in this. <laughs> it was just in the way that you answered it. It was just That's perfect. why I'm nobody's no. favorite, but Tia's. You are a you lot of people's are. favorite. You're my favorite. You are everyone's favorite. Oh, shut up. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would say you're my favorite, but then John would get upset with yeah, me, and true. I don't want to, like, upset anybody. So I love you both equally. <laughs> so he wound up buying a business, which was the business that owned all of the advertising rights to all of the buses, like the public service buses. Like, like Greyhound. city you're in, yeah. public service buses. Um, he bought the business that owned all the advertising rights to all the buses in new jersey so this murder happened 1991 as i said but the so year be- we were born i was not born, born but you 90- were born you, you were born? already born i was not she I was, was not born in 1991 but you were uh you were like three weeks old when this happened two weeks old two and a half weeks old uh somewhere around there you were born but i was not so Herbert Weinstein, very successful, bought all the the advertising on transient billboards, buses, stuff like that. And this is he started during the Mad Men era. So if you heard me talk about his grandfather was a plumber, a licensed plumber, a very successful licensed plumber, I might add. And the his son, Herbert Weinstein, went a different way. Advertising. If you've seen Mad Men, this is during the era. This is New York, too. So this is the Don Draper and the uh, the redhead. Oh, my God. What is her name? She's on, Joan. My, she's on my list. Joan. My list. She's married to a very oh, interesting looking God. guy. So She is so something else. I... <laughs> it's like silence what the fuck we're just gonna let you talk <laughs> I about la- how i'm not your favorite you are time. <laughs> holy shit <laughs> christopher Joan, you're, you're, your favorite. Honestly, you're getting me in trouble <laughs> betty draper can go you know i did not like oh birdie betty, betty 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 well he called her birdie remember no birdie oh birdie. yes he did I, I thought you meant birdie, B-E-R-T-Y is what you said, but you said birdie like the bird. Bird. Cuckoo. All right, check this out, guys. This oh. is a, I don't, I guess this is him, but this is Look a fantastic photo. Wow. I mean, I come on. And Johnny, and when you see this, Johnny, I'm not making fun of this, but this is an epic photograph right here and i I believe this is your john should recreate it your father i didn't see any uh context with this but this is man yeah i want a picture like that so bad that i mean look at the top hat i want a top hat so does this kind of tell you the uh success that the family's growing up so if this is her i'm guessing this is herbert weinstein his father was a licensed plumber and most likely did all the did a lot of the major developments in the apartments and skyscrapers and stuff like that in New York. Wow. That's so, pretty incredible. Yeah, exactly. This is from Joni. Quote, you could not ask for a better father, hands down. End quote. That's from Joni. That's from our interview. 
Now, Barbara and Herb, Herb, Herbert, call him Herb. Peaches and Herb? Yeah, Herb. Herb, they married after Joni's biological mother, Belle, she got lung cancer. And he was there by her side every day. Every day. And it must have been extremely traumatic. Anyone that's going through cancer, Mm. I can't imagine. I can't imagine... And I, I did read a book about uh, leukemia, and it just is. Uh, I can I cannot imagine, and and I also cannot imagine how we have not figured out how to cure that yet either. Well, I just want to give a shout out while I'm here because my friend's dad just had his last cancer treatment. <gasps> he got to ring a bell, so congratulations! Oh, good! That's so amazing! Congratulations, so what, Mr. Moore. So what do you mean? So is he um, is the cancer leaving or? You said last treatment. He had right? his last treatment and he got to ring a bell. So he is okay for now. He's done. He's done. That's good. So well, congratulations, Mr. Moore. Her book is very personal and she does not hold anything back. She, for instance, she grew up with a weight problem. Same girl. But, but however, I would like to say when, when I was reading it. It was more like her parents had Exactly. body dysmorphia issues which Same. is very prominent in that generation exactly my grandmother had like an eating disorder and even i can hear things like my things that my mother say it has translated to her it's, it's it is that part era. of that generation that, that generation that era that it's you got to be perfect i mean if you watch if you watch mad men if you watch mad men you know exactly what i'm talking about getting a husband exactly if that has to do with the fact that my parents are older 100 percent. i guarantee it and it was your parents are what what'd you say older what do you mean they're Uh, they're a little not much older than my parents but a little bit older yeah and because your parents are younger than mine Like my sister and I have talked about this because she has said how she will talk about her body in a certain way. And she like will not talk about how women look at all to Olivia at all. Mm. And if Olivia says something about like her belly, she's like, oh, like you've got a like a bigger belly or something like that. She's like, yeah, that's because I had babies. You know, she'll like just say, you know, just say things like that. But she will not talk anything about size or how women should look anything so for instance Joni talks about in her book how her mother was feeding her cans of tuna i mean and Joni even talks about you saw her she i mean and i and i have pictures of her being younger too she doesn't have a weight problem Mm -hmm. but that that perception body dysmorphia so she will talk about how one instance her mother would do these different diets like a a lot of people would especially if you're growing up with that amount of wealth for instance she talked about going to see dr atkins like the dr atkins Atkins? yeah the dr atkins the original keto Mm -hmm. yeah yeah original keto and she actually gained weight from from that and and she'll 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 be on the on the post that I put about this so she can, you know, go back and forth. But I believe she had some kind of um, thyroid issue. Mm. But then again, I I think it's more of the era because she was not overweight. And (sighs) she was talking about going on um, Dr. Atkins diet and it affected her so much that she stopped getting her period. And like I said, in her book, she'll 
she'll lay it all out. So she talks about how the doctor was saying she was 15 at the time, Mm. 15 year old, not getting her period period anymore. The doctor says, well, you should you. Why are you sexually active? Mm. You know, why are you having sex? And Joni's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm still a virgin and no one would believe her because she wouldn't, you know, she wasn't having her period. So they just hmm. didn't believe her. And they so didn't they believe that, that the, she was constantly pregnant. Well, it wasn't the they didn't want to say that it was the diet that wasn't working. But you know what I'm saying? Hmm. That's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. But Joni is going to talk about now the stepmother. Got it. Joni had been berated constantly by her own mother and it was it was a status thing so like her friend would come over Joni's friend would come over and the mother would prepare this nice meal but when she left it was just like here's tuna kind of thing it was a status thing mm. tuna it, it was with fa- lemon juice it was like, a facade it, it was all a facade not even mayo with her own mother so Joni's going to talk about growing up with the stepmother. Now, I'm not saying that the stepmother is evil enough to push her out the window, even though, I mean, sounds I kind probably, of like it. You know, it, it does sound like it. But this is her life growing up. If you if you want a true crime book that's more of a memoir, this book is for you because this is a tell all about everything, and that and that's why it's so great. And I just got this weird feeling about her from the get-go because my first impression was seeing her name, which was her married name. She'd been divorced. And this was another thing I thought about, that she had been divorced for like eight years. And she was um, quite almost a decade younger than my father, who I think was around 50. Are you raising your hand? Yes, because I didn't want to interrupt. But she have a wiener dog? Yeah. No, it's not a wiener dog. It's a chihuahua. I think. Oh, okay. I didn't see yeah. the head, but I only saw the body oh, of no, a wiener I- dog. She didn't tell me it for, I, I think his name is Blini. 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 What does that mean? Peach Bellini. It's a cocktail. Yeah. I Great fucking cocktail. love I don't know what I it is. I love that she we named her We need to dog. have them. Bellini. I it's had, champagne and peach. I asked her what it was, but because I saw the ears popping up. I'm like, hold on a second. We got to stop <laughs> this interview. <laughs> Tell me about your dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is. Uh, you'll see the dog. Bellini. That's a great name for a dog. Five at the time. So she was like 45. <laughs> She'd been single in Manhattan for like eight years. And she was very pretty. And she was very... You know, she claimed to be very wealthy. I, I, she was certainly well off. I absolutely don't believe she was as wealthy as she claimed she was. Yeah, that's a long time um, to be single in Manhattan. Was, but I don't believe she was. But um, things just things just didn't make sense to me from the get go. Things were just kind of kind of weird, and that was the first impression. And then when the thing you're talking about with like when I I moved into my first apartment, when okay. I first met. One second, I need to preface this. Think of a stepmother coming in a month after your mother dies of lung cancer. Now, so soon. Now, Joni's going through her own stuff, obviously. She has aspirations to go to the Rochester, 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 mm-hmm. Rochester, yeah. Rochester Institute of Technology. She's a photographer. Okay. She's very, she's very talented. And... She's going through her own stuff, trying to get her life together. This new stepmother comes in and, and this is what Joni says about it. Which was, you know, a little bit after this uh, plastic wrap incident. And, um, you know, and I think I I said something in the book about, you know, there was 
wasn't enough plastic wrap to keep her, you know, like I considered what she was doing, peeing in the middle. I think that, you know, yeah. I think what laughing at is I said something like, you know, she she peed right in the middle of the shelf in my mother's kitchen and there wasn't enough plastic wrap to keep her from seeping into, you know, my whole- Her husband was the owner of a huge plastics company. Like and- saran wrap kind of plastics. Uh, yeah, like hefty. This plastic empire magnate that her husband was they get divorced and the day she moves in to the apartment she clears everything to the not even putting everything out she moves everything to the side kind of bundled up all their stuff Mm -hmm. and she puts this plastic tupperware front and center where everyone's going to see it with the the ex-husband's name on it but you know what i'm saying it's just very intentional Uh uh-huh I really wanted to like Barbara, but just couldn't. I wasn't happy about their marriage. I thought she was a self-centered bitch, a rich Upper East Side snob. You know the type. She came into my life a month after my mother died, after an agonizing two-year battle with cancer, and never once asked me how I was doing, feeling, adjusting, anything. She just wanted to talk about engagement parties. She made it quite clear that my brother and I were of no value to her. That's terrible. No value. I'm sorry, Joni, that you went through that. So this was the housewarming gift. Barbara comes in there and gives Joni a Macy's cosmetic makeup, I don't know, kit or whatever. But it was obviously secondhand. She also gives Joni a purse that was obviously from her own closet. And mm. she she knows that it's secondhand. So it's, it's almost like you're giving me a purse is your purse and well i think she said something like all the garbage that was in there was your garbage now it's my garbage type of thing she's really trying to say i'm the boss here i'm moving in i know you still live here but you know i'm the i'm i'm here this is me i'm the queen the stepmother was obviously very narcissistic and uncaring of other people joni actually talks about in the book that she may have had narcissistic personality disorder, which from WebMD says, quote, narcissistic personality disorder is found more commonly in men. The cause is unknown, but likely involves a combination of genetic and environmental factors. Symptoms include an excessive need for admiration, disregard for others, disregard for others' feelings, an ability to handle an inability to handle any criticism and a sense of entitlement. I'm surprised you went to WebMD when you have the DSM-5 on your bookshelf. And I'm not saying that Nicole has narcissistic disorder, but this kind of matches almost (laughs) perfectly. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, I, I am the least narcissistic person. <laughs> out of the three of us. Out of the three of y'all, I am the least fucking narcissistic. You know, at one point last year, I got Which concerned that no I had narcissistic personality Because I'm not narcissistic. And then well, I went you should around be the school and I was like, do you guys think I'm a narcissist? Am I a narcissist? Am I a narcissist? <laughs> Dude. Okay. This is Barbara. Can you describe Barbara for us? She looks like an upper upper class, perfectly quaffed, wealthy blonde woman. I, it, it seems like she's wearing a nightgown, though, doesn't it? No, Does it's it? like a Christmas 
peppermint thing. Yeah. And then He's her husband, a- Herbert, has a nice little red pocket square. Oh, yeah. I see that. She, I mean, her makeup is, and, I, and I'll put this on talkmore.com, but her makeup is, I mean, I, perfect. I don't know, perfect. She has nice teeth. Nice, beautiful yeah. jewelry. Yeah. So she is definitely from upper class, not on the farm like I'm from type of shit. Yeah, or like a hair in a messy bun like me. You know, as I say in the book, I didn't know anything about personality disorders when I met her. I was, uh, you know, 20 years old. Yeah, this um, was a, I don't think we even today know as much as, you know, we should. So back then, you yeah. know. Um, she, it was clear to me, at that time, it wasn't clear to me that my father didn't really have empathy. Um you know, oddly enough, because my father was a really kind man and a really Mm -hmm. reliable guy. And he had like his whole, he had a code of ethics. I call it Weinstein wisdom in the book where I list all the things that he did. Like he never lied, you know, do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Like he was very consistent and, um, and very stuck to a certain code of conduct for his life. She obviously had no empathy from the get-go. I mean, we went out, so here we go out to lunch And, you know, my mother just died, you know, like, I think it was probably, you know, less than three months prior to that. And she doesn't ask me how I'm doing. She doesn't ask me, you know, anything that has anything to do with what might be going, you know, what one would assume was going on in my life. And I put myself in that place, you know, and you could put yourself in that place. If you were, you know, meeting the child of someone who's spouse of 20 something years had just died recently and now you're dating you know their father and you're going out with them you know to me i would be really concerned about how that person felt you know i would exactly yeah you know like i would say something like you know i would say look you know i I know that this must be really difficult for you to see your father with someone else. I would put all that stuff out there, like at the get go, like, I am not here to replace your mother. I, I wish I knew, you know, the words to say, I probably talked to a shrink. I talked to a million people and ask them, what should I say to this person's daughter? You know, I would at least think mm-hmm. about it. I would at least say something. Not to that ever. She brings up a lot of good points. Like what? Well, about how, you know, the stepmother seemed to be only focused on her relationship with the father instead of trying to connect with the children about their mother's demise. Like, and not not only just, and it's not like, you know, it, it was, it's traumatic. It's not like, it, I mean, any death as a, having a mother die as a child is traumatic but after having suffering for so long with lung cancer and then you just go and and date you know mm-hmm. you come in so here's the thing why would someone like herbert weinstein do this there's got to be a reason um was it a <sighs> like did he have some sort of stroke or something it's uh, kind of keep going down that a mental impairment. You heard Joni say something about. I know my dad started losing empathy. Oh, like my dad was really empathetic, which means cares about people's emotions and mm-hmm. well-being. He started not to not to care. 
she talks about in the book where her apartment actually exploded. And I believe maybe this is the clip. Let, let me uh, see. First apartment I lived in was in Fort Lee. And the second apartment was in Hackensack, which was just a few more minutes away from uh, Manhattan, but it was way cheaper. And I got a bigger place. And one night <clears throat> at like three o'clock in the morning, I hear this gigantic explosion yeah. and glass, just glass, gl breaking glass, like an unbelievable amount of breaking glass. And I lived one building off of a pretty busy highway. Um, but at three in the morning, it's usually not that busy. But it was winter time, And I thought two trucks must have collided head on. That's what I thought happened. Right. And I jump out of my bed and I'm like hopping over to the window and I open the window shade and I see this little building. Um, I lived on the second floor of this, this building and there was, um, it was like a six story building. And right across from me was a little parking lot and a little two story building um, that had been a diamond dealer and a window shade place, like just a tiny business. And the place, the whole thing had blown up and it was on fire and it was just like, you couldn't even tell a building had been there anymore. And, mm. and I'm like totally in shock and I don't really know what to do. And I start hopping out of my bedroom uh, to go down the hall to get my building superintendent who lived down the hall from me. And I walk it. And as soon as I get out of the bedroom, I realize I'm walking on glass and it's starting mm -hmm. to cut my feet. And I look and I, and I, I'm now, you know, past the hallway into the living room, dining room, and the entire place is covered like a snow globe in tiny pieces of glass, and there's flames shooting up outside, and I can feel the heat, and the whole place is just a friggin' disaster. Like, it's unbelievable. So she actually refers to it as Hell's Disco Ball. Whoa. Joni and her father who have always been close, started having a falling out. And this was the culmination because her apartment exploded. So when, if Jen, if your house explodes, you know, knock on wood, you'd call your father, right? I mean, I mean, it, like, let's say if he was only 10 miles away, you would call him because you wouldn't know what else to do. You'd want him to tell you kind of, you know, to comfort you and stuff like that. Well, yeah, I'd probably call like, yeah, I would probably call him. So she did call him and. And but I'm trying to keep it together. You know, I'm, I'm not like I'm not insane. I'm just like, well, I don't want you to hear this on the news. And I don't know if I have a home to go home to and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, not crying, but obviously distraught. Right. And obviously, yeah, yeah. you know, not knowing if I have a home anymore. And uh, and he goes, oh, OK. And he hangs <laughs> up. And, and I thought, oh, no, at first, you know, he's listening and and and, um, and he's not reacting. And then I'm thinking, maybe he doesn't hear me. And I keep going on. And I'm like, I don't know if I have a place to go back to. But like, I'm telling him, you know, the things that would make most normal parents, like, hang up the phone and drive the 25 minutes to get to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Nothing. And then he goes, OK. And he hangs up. Mm. And I'm standing there, like, staring at the phone on the wall. And I'm thinking. I cannot believe that I just had this phone conversation with my father and he's not asking if I need help. Do I need anything? I'll be there in a minute. Um, it, it was just, it was so, it was such a bizarre underreaction mm -hmm. that I couldn't even process it at that moment because I already had so much on my mind from the explosion, but 
at that point, I just felt totally abandoned. And I thought, well, if my mother was lying in bed next to him and he said, you know, there was an explosion at Joni's apartment, you know, even my mother, who I didn't get along with, would have been in the car and at my yeah. apartment, you know, would have come to the hotel to get me. And he didn't. And I can't imagine any other woman besides my stepmother being in bed with my father and not saying, why is Joni calling at five in the morning and then saying we have to get there and help her, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. Interesting. So she already notices that the father is not caring anymore about anything. He just killed his wife. And as she'll talk about, he goes that day, the same day, No, no, not the same day, but close after a few months after. And then let's see, I think I uh, put it in here where his attitude about that. Then what is wrong with you? And Anyway, you know, he was very, he got very uncomfortable. He didn't know how to deal with me expecting empathy from him. And it was starting to gel in my head that he had this problem with empathy, which had Mm -hmm. never occurred to me before. Her, yes. But him, I never recognized it because he was such a good father and he did everything he was very dutiful. He, he, do you ever watch Dexter? And you know how Dexter, do you ever watch the show Dexter? I've, I've, I know what it is, but the, he's like a serial killer or something. Uh, he's a serial killer who yeah. kills serial killers. And, but he has a code of conduct and he's very reliable. Like when his sister, even though he has no empathy and he's a psychopath, he lives by a code of conduct and he even only kills by a code of conduct. He only Great kills show, people, by the way. People. But, I've only seen a few episodes. He's, he's very reliable. He's, he does the thing without thinking about empathy, he does the right things. And that's how Mm -hmm. my father was. He did the right things because they were the right thing, not because he was empathizing ever. Um, And, and it was very, um, it was very bizarre. And and so I had this big conversation with him over lunch and I, and I just, you know, was so distraught about the whole thing. And as we were leaving and he was driving me, we were driving, and I described this in the book, we were on this um, little highway that we took a million zillion times and he, we take a turn to go the, on the exit ramp. And I, just as I'm saying something about, you know, understanding, how could you not understand, you know, what I needed? And he said, you know, I've always known what my customers want. And um, he said, but I really have trouble with understanding what the people closest to me want. Mm-hmm. That right there is really important. He'll talk about it as his personal failure. He'll say, I can't connect with my family. And and I feel that that's a personal failing from me. So, but the whole time, what I'm trying to show you guys is the whole time he's, when the mother was alive, the, the biological mother was alive and Joni growing up, he was always the the stand-up father very dutiful like she said father to the family but as the years go by that empathy that love that caring oh my apartment just got blown up okay what do you want me to do about it he's 10 miles away right obviously come over that empathy starts fading it's almost it's like very he was, noticeable. It's almost like he was always been business minded, but as a child, you don't realize what that is until you mature and realize what you know a business transaction is. So, I mean, as 
Well, it's something, it's something with his empathy. She keeps saying this is the empathy thing. And I had asked her, I was like, well, did you think at the time, like, maybe your, maybe your stepmother was rubbing off on him and she, she really didn't think that, but she knows something is different. Right. You know, she knows something is different. Well, did it change after her mother died? Is that when she started seeing a change? It was a a change, not, not sparked by the mother's death, but a continual change ever since she was born. It was a gradient change, a very slow changing until the night of the murder and then it was completely gone. Narcissistic. D- so I'm wondering if it was more of a gradient change with him or if it was her maturing and try- and, and finally understanding as an adult his, his way of thinking. Because there's a difference between that. And I'm not saying she's wrong. And I'm not saying, you know, but, but there's a difference between him changing as an adult, which, which is very well possible. You know, once you have a, once you have a kid, like you, you know, before you have children, you have your own identity and what, what you are in life. And then you have children and, and that starts to change and, um, your role starts to change, but was it his role and his own identity and his own head and empathy changing or was it her growing and realizing it? You're, you're definitely on the right path. I think I can really get you to where you need to be by asking you to read the book title. If you want to read the book title, I think that'll really clear it up for you. Full Frontal Murder. So some a brain change. There you go. Change in his brain. Changes in his brain. But what sparked that change in his brain? So this is it, guys. This is as I said as I said before at the start of this, this is a landmark case. Uncle Frank, who has known him, and he was also the lawyer for 56 years. Frank was was yeah. uh, Herbert's lawyer. And remember I said, never seen him violent, always caring, philanthropist, mm-hmm. extremely loving to his family, yada, yada, yada. Joni says something to the effect of, you couldn't ask for a better, better father, yada, yada, yada. The years go by. They're not seeing that anymore. The lawyer says, "Are his best friend, Uncle Frank?" Mm-hmm. I have an uncle. Says Frank. I says this isn't this isn't something. Okay, yeah, he murdered his, his wife, but this I'm not trying to go just for the insanity plea. There's something seriously wrong with him. There's something biologically wrong with him. They go get an MRI, and this is what Herbert's brain looks like. And you definitely got to see this at talkmurder.com. I'll put this on there. You you will not believe it. I told her this was harrowing. This was one of the most harrowing things I've ever seen in my life. And maybe you'll think the same. This is Herbert Weinstein's brain when they MRI'd it after the murder. So, like, there's a lobe missing. Like, it's an, it's an incomplete brain. That is a cyst. There's a cyst. Wow, on that's brain. a huge cyst, and it is enormous. It's covering up the it's entire right co- side yeah. of his of his four of his frontal cortex. It's almost a whole quarter of his brain. That's insane. Did you guys know this on live chat? Did you guys think that it may have been a brain a, a tumor? brain tumor? The frontal lobes 
and I'm not a freaking neuroscientist or whatever, but it controls things like impulse and anger and things like that is your frontal lobe you always hear about this i mean i don't care who you are you don't have to be a neuroscientist you hear about this on the news the frontal lobe you you don't have have you guys seen the will smith movie i know you have nicole concussion concussion i have not do you know who aaron powerful aaron hernandez i do had cte the reason that football players have on the this all of a sudden complete personality change is their frontal lobe is destroyed because think about it that's the front of his head where's the football player running ramming using his head as a freaking weapon it's their frontal lobe they're using their frontal lobe as a weapon junior sale aaron hernandez and i haven't done his story i i guess he killed his friend or something no he killed um the he was a relative of his fiance or fiance's family i believe but he was also tied to another murder um but he was found he was acquitted of that second crime he was found guilty of of uh of killing um uh, i believe he was a friend of the fiance or family of the fiance cte And he killed himself, though, right? He did kill himself in prison, correct. Will Smith did a movie on it. Have you heard of it? No. Albert Brooks also. Because it's a great movie. Because of why? I mean, football is so huge. You're going to tell me that football players ramming their head into each other is causing this disturbance in the brain, stuff like that. It really is. And it is is destroying their brain. And the, the thing I learned about for my own brain is the brain is if you have a brain disorder it's the same as a physical disorder if you have a broken leg i can see that i can jen i can see your legs broken i know why you're limping if you have a brain disorder it's the same physical trauma but guess what jen why are you why are you acting like that because guess what i can't see it i can't see your brain i can't see this shit Herb was tested in whichever ways were standard in 1991, including an MRI. There was definitely something very wrong with his brain. It was certain. My brother and I were to accompany him to his highly credentialed NYC neurologist for a consultation to discuss what the problem was and present. So I started to realize that this was a legit health crisis and not simply a legal defense strategy. The lawyers were the ones who initiated the psychological and neurological testing. Herb had been behaving in such a bizarre way that even his dream team of seasoned criminal defense attorneys had never seen anyone act the way that he did. Like me, they thought there had to be more than the story other than he got fed up and killed her. I was grateful that there was at least one other person who felt the same way I did, regardless of what seemed obvious to most. Those guys were really worth the money. The reason that Herbert Weinstein has been lacking in caring, and I had asked Jody about this and she talks about it in her book, but she's walking with her dad who just killed her step, not only killed her stepmother, threw her out a freaking 12 story, 12th floor window. They're walking through the crime scene because he's he's out on bail. And he is more concerned with, oh, my God, the cops kicked in this 
nice dresser door I put up, this nice closet door I put up that's mahogany and the finest, and they broke the handle. He's more concerned with things that don't matter. And this is days after he threw his wife out of a 12th story window. So they are obviously concerned for him. And that picture that I showed you, he has a, what's called an arachnoid cyst. And this is a very disgust, not well, disgusting. Yeah. But this is a scary medical condition to have. Can I guess arachnoid? That's usually what you associate with a spider. Is it? So is it something that spreads out and has multiple branches? Yeah. So if you look at the arachnoid, so they call it, that because the cyst actually unlike most cysts that just get bigger as a circle a radius that increases this cyst this particular cyst spider webs down into the brain and makes it obviously impossible to cut out if you look at the photo right here i pulled from the mayo clinic you can see the spider web of the it's the blue thing the blue thing is the cyst Oh, Do you okay. see it going down into the brain? Yeah, it looks like a barrier. Yeah, it was actually going into the brain. Do you see that on the, the, the box? What, the left or the right? No, the box where it's like spider webbing down into the brain. Well, yeah, but it just looks like, like the blood-brain barrier. No, this, Jen. Yeah, I this, see that. This is going into the brain. Cysts don't do this. Right, it's going into the webs. Like No, the, it's the- actually spider webbing it like feet, like tiny tentacles and going all the way into the brain. You look at the thing as going into the brain. Well, I look at it as it's going around the brain. It's confusing. That's all I can say. You can look at it what a couple of ways. What do you mean ways. it's confusing? The because arachnoid is it's blue. Spreading. It's I'm spreading. It's so spreading like a spider. It's oh going my. around the barrier of the brain. But it's going inside the brain, Well, too. into the ridges. But like tentacles going down, cysts don't do that. They just expand and push the brain down. This is actually going inside the brain's ripples. Crevices? Yes. Okay. This is from Cincinnati.com right here. I'm going to read this. The Ohio State football coach Urban Meyer actually has a cyst. They found it in 2018. An arachnoid cyst. He coaches the Jaguars now. Oh. Okay, Jen, I don't watch basketball. Who does? Urban Meyer. He coaches the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dr. Nicholas Marco of UC Health says, quote, arachnoid cysts are interesting things. An arachnoid cyst is a pocket of spinal fluid in the brain's arachnoid layer between the thick leathery dura that lines the skull and the pia that hugs the brain itself like plastic wrap. Most people don't even know they have one. Unless you have to get an MRI or something else, and the doctor says you have an arachnoid cyst, end quote. Dr. Vincent DiNapolo of Maryland of the Mayfield Brain and Spine Practice says, quote, usually you're born with one, the doctor said, for reasons that aren't understood the arachnoid layer separates from the outer layers and the spinal fluid fills the gap. Most of the time, these cysts are benign. They don't progress and they don't cause symptoms. Most of the time, we don't even treat them if they're not changing over time, end quote. However, this guy's Herbert Weinstein's arachnoid cyst was in his frontal lobe and it was 
100% causing problems. Did it start, did it, um, did growth in the cysts? And they say that. I, yeah, I it heard, was growing over time. Uh, you saw it. It's huge. Yes. But I was going to ask, I mean, that quote said that they, most of the time they don't grow over time and that you don't even know that their people are born with them. But I'm wondering if the death of his first wife triggered some sort of stress response and it started going no, after that's that. A, that's actually a really good question. There is a stress response, like you just said. Joni talks about it here. Uh, let's see. It was 1991. My mother died in my mother died January 7th, 1980, no, January 8th, 1982. And the murder mm -hmm. was January 8th. So one day later in 1991. Wow. Yeah. So that this happened nine years to the day and, after uh, her mom's death. Okay. So that happens a few months before the murder. Fast forward to the murder. My brother calls me on the night of the eve of my mother's death. And of course, I'm thinking about that the last time I'd seen my mother alive was around nine o'clock. It was exactly when my brother called. Is she drinking um, water or is she drinking beer? Like, Straight up vodka. I'd never heard him sound before. And I didn't even, I couldn't imagine what had happened because he sounded so distressed. And he's also calling me at nine o'clock at night. I'm thinking, you're going to be home soon. Why are you calling me? You know, you could tell me when you get home. And I said, and he said, um, sit down, you know, you're sitting down, sit down. And I said, all right, what, you know, what happened? And he says, Barbara's dead. And, and I'm like, you know, I, I mean, here I'm thinking about my dead mother, uh, you know, I'm thinking about a million other things. And he's like, Barbara's dead. And I was like, Barbara's dead. Barbara's dead. Barbara's dead. Like, I, I, I could, it was like, it's yeah. to really register. And I was like, how did she die? You know, because she was like 56. I said, how did she die? What happened? And, and at first I'm thinking they must have gotten like in a taxi accident in Manhattan, you know, like the yellow taxis drive like crazy and you know some something must have happened like that and he said she jumped fell or was pushed out of their window mm. now i'm imagining their apartment which was on the 12th floor of mm -hmm. an apartment on east 72nd street and um and i gave you the address so you could google earth it so you could see it. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah there's also a slide of it in that slideshow that i sent you mm -hmm. um and so you're 12 stories up in the middle of like a very posh neighborhood. Right. And, and I'm just imagining, like, I can't even imagine. And, and then all of a sudden I was like, wait, where's dad? And then he said, he's in jail for killing her. Crazy shit. Her father was a wonderful person to her. And yeah. That, oh, like yeah. That's why she found it so challenging. Oh yeah. I, I have a question that is related, but not related. We'll save it, Jen. But I let's know, save that. Let's put that in the bank. What, I just want to let's know, put that thing in the bank. Go ahead. I just want to know what the brother's relationship <laughs> with the birth mother was. That's a really uh. good question, actually. Yeah, I had asked her about that. She she had mentioned the brother, so she has one other older brother. Who owned a bagel shop? Who, oh, who I love bagels. Does he still have a bagel oh, shop? I bet it's the best bagels ever. I had a bagel today from bagels. the deli. You haven't had their bagels yet. I need to get them for you. From what I can tell, she kind of wants to leave the brother out of it. But the relationship was completely different. Her biological mother and the stepmother didn't treat the brother like they treated her. Well, because he was the male, I bet. Well, I don't know why, but... No, I'm telling you. Okay. We met 
my brother and I met with Frank, my father's friend at his office, which is right across from the courthouse in Manhattan. And he said, look, you know, I've known you, he said, I've known your father 50 years and I've never once seen him get angry at anything. And he said, I, I can't even believe it. Then he said, did he take an aspirin? Did you know, do you know if he's taking any drugs? Does he drink? Does he do this? Does he do that? And we're like, no, 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 no. He has a snifter of Remy Martin every night, you know, that he microwaves for exactly, <laughs> you know, 32 seconds mm-hmm. or whatever. Like that's all he does. And, um, and he said, well, you know, given the nature of the crime, the fact that, you know, it was on the Upper East Side, it was on all the news, it was on the front page of the New York Daily News, like, it's very high profile, and it's a really heinous crime, and they're not going to give your father bail. And, you know, and he has the resources, because my father had a lot of money, he's got the resources to flee the country, so... So fascinating. I I actually, I got to find out um, when mom comes to visit tomorrow... If she knows about this case, I should come stop by when Renee is Your here. Your mama's coming my tomorrow. Favorite. Mama's coming tomorrow. I'm already she in town for literally already a, Friday. a week behind on these episodes, and now you're gonna invite your mama. Uh, mm, Tell mm, her to come mama to the Dukes. Wando game on the third. What day is that? I think it's Friday. She will already be in Tennessee. Boo! <laughs> but I should come stop by. You know your mom. You, you know your mom has like this thing for me i'm just saying and this is really significant as we find out later when you know when i do the actual neurology report but one of the significant things is that it was pressing on the left temporal lobe as well as you know like this whole area but that um is responsible for how you react to what they call stimulus bound aggression so some people are just aggressive you know for whatever reason whether it's their brain their upbringing whatever um but stimulus-bound aggression means um, if somebody slaps your face out of nowhere, how are you going to react to that? You know, that's being yeah, it's a stimulus, mm-hmm. and and it was the temporal, the left temporal lobe has a lot to do with how you react to stimulus-bound aggression. Then why are you raising your hand? Because I didn't want to interrupt her, but it looked like the cyst was on the right side of his brain. It's it's actually it's actually flipped over. All right, so let me talk about the murder date. Herbert pushed Barbara out the window of the 12th floor of the high-rise apartment building. However, I never said she was alive during that. He killed her. He killed her prior to that. Oh. There was actually blood everywhere all over him and everything else, and he tried to dispose the body or whatever. Eventually, he just said, you know what? She's already dead. I'm just going to chunk her out the 12th floor window of my my apartment. Oh, my gosh. So, she was already dead. Now, what Joni is talking about now is some people are born with the aggression. Maybe it's The meanness. Like, uh, take Jen, for example. Like, you know, some people are born being mean, (laughs) aggressive. And Jen is just born pure nice. Having to pee all the freaking time when we're trying to do a live episode. She has to pee at least three times. I've only done once. Some people are born like that. Maybe it's Maybelline. This cyst, this arachnoid cyst on the frontal lobe makes it where there's this, uh, I can't remember what she said, but this a rapid aggression where if someone attacks you, the cyst takes over pretty much and like Venom and Spider Man. I, I don't I don't watch 
those Superman. Venom things. is the anti Spider Man, and he is like a villain, and he the Venom, like he's the villain where this alien takes over the guy's brain. And he tells him what to do. I'm an adult. <laughs> Jen's wearing her powder puff shirt. <laughs> you know what? I fucking love powder puff and we're going to have another tournament in the spring and I'm going to quarterback and I'm going to kick all the students ass and I'm not going to feel sorry for it. At yes. All. D John has a fascination with my mother. So here's what happened the night or actually the day. Cause remember she was thrown out at 1 30 PM. Correct. On the 7th. And she was clad in her blue nightgown. Oh, a nightgown. She was, she was in the process. Barbara was in the process of getting her makeup on, getting ready for the day. And an argument broke out between Herbert and Barbara. And something very trivial, which Joni will tell you what it is. But Barbara started clawing at Herbert's face. And she did that twice. She had these elegant Were they acrylic? Nails. Were they like acrylic full sets? I, I don't know. I do not like fake nails. I don't Whatever either. they are. Well, you see mine. Like, I don't even grow them out because I, I, I got to use my hand. I always want to take them off if I have a fake nail on them. Oh. I never put a fake nail on, but I, if I they do paint real. them, I do paint them red. They were real. I don't know. They're fake. I don't know. She had nice, I don't know, elegant red nails. She claws at his face. He's sitting there in shock. So was Th- he? That has never happened for. Was she the aggressor then? She was she, the aggressor. So yeah. she set him off. Then. Well, yes. But but then. But he was never the type that would fight back. Exactly. Plus, he didn't get charged with murder. He got charged with second degree murder. But we'll talk about that. But well, she did he was it twice. With murder. And then the second time, she actually got almost to his retina because Joni will talk about how the you know that she could see the scratch marks on her father's face. Barbara was going for the eyes with these nails trying to scratch his eyes out drawing blood oh and he doesn't have any time to respond he's just going into that stimulus bound aggression you know fight or flight boom and and that was it when he was and i asked him you know i had asked him you know was it an out-of-body experience you know when he was when we were talking the lawyer's office and he said i knew and this is an important part too in terms of the bigger picture he said i knew it was wrong but i couldn't stop hmm and that's a function of your impulse control. People think, oh, we have free will. Oh, I could stop. You know, I say, OK, you know, I'm going to leave you alone in a room with a bunch of chocolate chip cookies. Let's see. Let's see. You know, let's see. John how does not have that impulse control. control. It's like that. But, it's like know, the <laughs> it's like the experiment with the kids and the marshmallows. marshmallows yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have control over certain things. And some people say, well, you know, it's it's a um, an impulse that you know, if you eat the cookies, it's an impulse that you eat, that you let get away with you. But there are times and there are brain functions where you cannot control your impulses. It just mm-hmm. you know it's physically impossible. So um, I'm sure if he could have stopped, he would have stopped. And you know when he said and and he he really couldn't explain why he couldn't stop. He didn't know when he was telling me that he had this you know this brain thing. Um, he just said I just I couldn't stop, which obviously was distressing to him. But he he just didn't understand it. Um, In her book, she said that her father said, "Oh, I don't have empathy," and that is 
a personal failure. Like I know how I know what my clients want, but I can't make my family happy. I can't show my family compassion. And that is a personal failure. All the while, there's a huge cyst growing and not only growing, spider webbing down in his brain. And you can't drain that cyst. Do do you know why? So with this cyst in particular, it's spider webs, which which pushes the brain out. Right. So in in the lobes, it actually pushes the lobes, kind of separates them. And a lot of people can live their whole life with this. And, And he did pretty much lived his whole life with this even though it affected them like this. But your skull actually will adapt and grow with the cyst, with your brain getting pushed out, your skull's getting bigger too, to adapt for this this cyst that is continually growing. So let's say they drain it, or let's say they cut it out. What is that going to do? What you're looking at with Herbert Weinstein's cyst, Joni compares it to an orange size, which is about accurate. Orange, maybe a little bigger. You take that out. Okay, you take it out. Good. Now you got a bunch of empty space. And you got a brain that is in this empty space. You know? Yeah, exactly. Jen's shaking her head. It's going to move around. Your brain is supposed to be relatively stable in the skull. There's a a little back and forth in the synovial fluid or whatever, but that much space, it would be a death sentence. If they did take it out, he could either die on the operating table or become completely, completely changed, either like Phineas Gage, you remember the guy in the railroad, yep. completely mm-hmm. personality change, or just or just comp- a vegetable. But it's different, I, I, and I, I want to have a couple of points. Um, it's different than having a cyst that's growing on the outside of the skull because that's something that you could drain um, without having to drill into the skull and risk injuring one of the lobes of the brain. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, even if they did drill into the lobe of the brain, other than having all of that additional space, it would put him at more of a risk of head injury because of that space. If he, you know, were to hit his head or, you know, you don't have the cushion of the, of the fluid that your synovial fluid, like you said, that your brain is supposed to be set. If you shake your head too hard, or if you hit your head on something and your brain goes all the way forward, it can cause a lot of trauma to the brain. So not just, you know, those factors that you mentioned, John, but also. Yeah. Guys, if you really want to see some crazy, a crazy movie, watch that concussion with Will Smith. That movie's Mm -hmm. crazy, man. And it's so accurate. And the fact that, it's not really well known is because the NFL is kind of putting all their money against it and covering it up. Of course. Like, because I'm at high school football. I'm thinking about high school football. You're telling me that football players banging their heads against each other is causing people to have these. To kill well, themselves? To kill. The, yeah, there's a well, lot of suicidal tendencies. I will tendencies. say in high school football, they are a little bit more cautious than you're you know, than they were 10 years ago that I've seen our football players go out there and they have padding, not only the padding within their helmets, but they, they wear padding outside of not their the, helmets. It's not the padding. It's, it's the, the padding doesn't matter. It, your, your brain isn't your it's brain. Rattling. Is, it is it, rattling. Your brain in your, your brain in your skull is not stable. No, it is, right, it is but, floating but, in the fluid. So when you 
hit someone going forward, I don't care how much padding you have, when you stop, you physically, your head stops, your brain is still moving forward. That's the law of inertia. That brain is going to hit the skull and you get a concussion. Right. Over and over. It doesn't matter how much padding you get. But think about it. But but if there is more, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I am not saying you're wrong. Because I've been victim of several concussions, but when you think about it in the way of sound waves, like when you have sound waves in this studio and they bounce off the wall, that's it's going bouncing off the wall. But when you have padding and you have those multiple layers of towels, no, I I don't think you no know, because the the sound, it's not the, your <sighs> organ is literally getting shoved. Against okay. a hard surface, it's are, not. Are there things you can do to further protect the brain? Yes, but it is like after all the things that we have been through with hyperbaric oxygen therapy and and things that will protect the brain. The fact is they rattle, they're using their heads constantly. Football players use their heads as weapons. Which, that is why you get CTE. When you do that, you get concussion after concussion after concussion. Which basically means your front and frontal not, lobe is just, hitting the front of your skull. And it's over not and over. Concussion. I'm telling you, man. Dude, we've done a lot of research on this shit. Because, like, when a soldier gets hit by an IED, that sound wave, that the shock wave is so powerful, that shit does the same as you hit your head on a brick wall. Same shit. That's why a lot of soldiers kill themselves. I mean, you see my fucking brain is the same shit. So, I mean, and you see the brains that are really bad concussed, they got like a divot in the front. That's what yours had. That is just like, boom, 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 boom. Fucking scary, And it doesn't take a lot. And the way you think about football, when you're in, just in practice. The pads don't matter, I'm telling you. It's the the inertia, man. And I love, I fucking love football but it totally changed my they gotta stop using their fucking heads as fucking weapons that's the only thing they gotta do everything else is safe you could fucking have no pads and it'd be safer you know if they didn't have head helmets on it would be safer because they wouldn't be headbutting each other because that shit fucking hurts but with the helmets it's like wow they didn't have that shit. Yeah, you're not going to see them headbutting each other like they're doing now. I'm just saying, man. We, we had a lot of, I don't know, fuck. Sees cops everywhere, and my father's sitting there with scratches, and my father had scratches, which I saw later. When I said that she tried to scratch his eyes out, like, it was mm-hmm. right on his eye, right? Yeah. And this is the murder, according to Joni. He said it was around lunchtime, and my father was, like, semi-retired. He had some clients, but he didn't go to an office every day, but he still had some lucrative clients. And he said um, Barbara wasn't dressed yet, but she was putting on makeup at her vanity in their bedroom. And she started, um, she was in some kind of mood, whatever, and uh, started saying, uh, should I call her daughter, right? She she had, had apparently hadn't hadn't been talking to her daughter for several weeks or some amount of time. Right. And, um, she said, and I call her daughter Debbie in the book. She said, should I call Debbie? Debbie's a spoiled brat. And (laughs) my father who would never say anything bad about anyone acknowledged her in saying, we know Debbie's a spoiled brat, but if you want to call her, call her. Like he wasn't saying like, oh, your daughter's such a spoiled brat. He was just acknowledging what she was saying. Right. And so 
So she gets all bent out of shape and she was looking for a fight, obviously. And um, well, it becomes obvious. And she said, oh, oh, my daughter's a spoiled brat. Well, what about your kids? And then um, she starts going off. That's a dangerous yeah. game to play. Can, yeah. I just, can I just pause right quick? Because that is exactly something I would do. And I'm yes, going to admit is. it. I, but it's so <laughs> this is like a mixed family. And this is how you don't see Dennis and my mom saying that about their own stepchildren. Well, right. yeah, but you don't know that for sure. They could be saying that right now. No, but like they'll also be here tomorrow. But they're they're like they're. <sighs> I mean, when you diabolical. Blend, but when you blend families together, you have to expect you, you Dude, can't expect perfection. But but yeah, that is kind of instigating I always, a fight. I, I do instigate fights. No, we know. I'll fucking admit it. Yeah, I we know. I am that. a very emotional person. Uh, and i have things going on in my life okay (laughs) do you think that john instigates fights i've never seen that you know what jen what uh joni that fat dyke i'll never forgive her for for not going to my father's funeral and when i heard that i was thinking like fat dyke i don't care what she says you know like like that whatever um but like she'll never forgive me for not going to her father's funeral and thinking did i even know he died like would i even know him if i like i said in the <laughs> yeah. book like i couldn't pick him out of a lineup of short jewish old men like i didn't know him <laughs> at all and she hated me why would she care yeah. about I there's a lot out, of short like, jewish old men i so relate to joni uh, on her that i wasn't there to support her it took me uh, like you know i'm thinking why does she want that and then it took me all those years like oh it's what reflects on her because so it's all about the image she said you know she would never forgive me for that and then she went on to my brother which was her favorite topic because my brother spent more time with my father than i did so with bagels i tried to stay away from them she she really couldn't say very much about me and then she goes on about my brother with the same stuff she was going on about when my brother came home upset and then she says how do, and this is the narcissistic personality disorder and that's when i figured out that she was concerned about how it looked reflected on her that i wasn't at the funeral when i was mm-hmm. thinking like why does she care that's why she cared but she said and this is her in a nutshell how do you think it reflects on me that mm. your son owns bagel stores and isn't a professional Oh, however, bagel stores in New York, you are a fucking professional. Yeah, you gotta be, you can't just have any kind of bagel store in New York. fucking water in order to make a good bagel in New York. Like in New York, you can't Uh, just have a Dunkin' Donuts and expect to have high quality bagels. You gotta have like your own shit together to have a bagel store. Like people have to invest in stuff, right? It's serious. Bagels are no joke, John. It's serious business if you're in New York and New Jersey. I'm not going to lie to you. Bagels are no joke. We don't we don't have no, good bagels down you here. You don't fuck with that. You don't uh, fuck with no, that. No, you don't. I know people have to invest in that. You don't fuck with that. You know what, John? What? Are we going to fight? Yeah, I'm just saying you've never had a New York bagel. Pay-per-view. I'm John just saying, versus Jen. Johnny. Fight to the death. I'll fight you. Johnny. Johnny, said <laughs> Johnny. How much money you make owning a business if it's, you know, otherwise, like, you're just not, you're just not, you know, you just reflect poorly yeah. on it. How does it, how does it reflect on me that he, you know, that he owns bagel stores? And my father always being calm, cool, and collected, which is one of his things that he just, that was how he yeah. said, 
And I could predict it. I w- he didn't even have to tell me what he said. I knew what he would say to that. He said, what my son does for a living has absolutely no effect on your life, which it didn't, right? right. She got really mad, really mad. And she got mad. She said, oh, is that all you have to say? God damn it. And she, she reached out and she always had like red manicured, very nice nails. And, she, and my father told me she reached out and tried to scratch his eyes out. And when he said it that way, it wasn't just, and I looked at his face, because at this point I can see the scabs next mm-hmm. to his eye. And, and these weren't like, oh, I'm trying to like scratch your face. This was like, I'm trying to scratch yeah, your going Exactly. And, and you could see it. And he's lucky he didn't, you know, get his eye scratched. And, and he said, and I said, what did you do? And he said, I just stood there. I, I didn't, I, you know, I just stood there. I, I, I didn't know how to react to that. And I, I just stood there. And then he said, and then she did it again. And, and I guess that might've been when she got closer. Or yeah. maybe, I don't know. There were a lot of like little, you know, scratch scabs by the time I saw him. And he said, and then he said, I just, I reached out and I hit her and she fell down next to the bed and I, you know, got on top of her and I just kept punching her. And then I knew she was dead. All right, real real quick. So she's saying that Barbara goes for the eyes, gets probably the cheek after this trivial argument because she was looking for a fight. Remember, we we talked all about Barbara peeing in the freaking cupboard and stuff. Mm -hmm. Goes back again, but this time really close to the eyes really close which Joni Joni who has done a lot of research on brain especially the arachnoid cyst if you see all those books there mm-hmm. all I mean you said earlier the brain defense all that stuff all, all of those books on her just real quick this is off topic all of those books you're looking at right now that is on her nightstand every one of those has her dad's story in it oh cool every one of them so, second time, Barbara goes and gets a little bit closer to the retina. Really close. Almost. And then she's got these long nails, like Freddy Cougar. They're red and shiny and perfectly manicured. Almost hits the retina. And then all of a sudden, she says... That's when it happened, and I can't, I cannot remember what the term she used, um, aggression, something. All of a sudden, Herbert, her father, has no control over it. Boom! Punches her right in the face. Barbara falls down. He gets on top of her. Boom! Boom! Right, left, right, left. Who knows how many times? I mean, probably 30, 40, maybe even more. Just he he said, uh, Joni said. He loses control. He loses control. Joni says that her dad told her that he knew it was wrong, but he couldn't stop. And if you you really go into the neurology here, he couldn't stop because he has a frontal lobe brain cyst that is impairing his impulse control. It is impairing his his uh, resistance control, his his cognition to stop. So he does not stop until she is dead. And I believe he punched her quite a bit. And 
once he re- once he realizes, hey, she's now dead. Because if you guys, let me just I've do, I do a lot of murders here to punch somebody to death. And Herbert Weinstein, not a bodybuilder or anything, uh, kind of a t- tall Jewish man, but. He was older, though, at this time. Older at this time. He was, like, 10 years older than his wife. Oh, yeah, so 60-ish older at this time. To to punch somebody to death, you got to punch a lot. Because he definitely wasn't punching as hard as some other people, you know, someone that works out or whatever could punch. There was a lot of punches there. There was blood all over his shirt. There was blood all over the carpets. There was blood everywhere. He punched her to death. I don't know how many times. He never said it. But then he decides to clean up the crime scene. Picks up the body and and says, you know what? Let me try to try to see that this can be passed as a suicide. And that's exactly what happened. And, um, and he said, and then I thought... Um, you know, he he said he, he thought, I, I got to make the best of this situation here. I don't know what to do. And then he thought that he would throw her out the window to make it look like a suicide. And so he cleaned up. Um, it's interesting because the police never uh, the police said. Um, I'm trying to think what they said about that. He didn't have blood on his clothes and this and that. He told me that he shredded his shirt that was bloody and he flushed it down yeah. the toilet, which was never in any of the police stuff, which is hmm. sort of interesting. Um, but. Anyway, he cleaned up and then he threw her body out the window. She was dead at the time. Um, and he threw her out the window and then he left. He, you know, attempted to leave the building and, um, you know, it was all dressed to like business clothes, whatever. And they stopped. And by that time, the police were downstairs and um, and they brought him and they brought him back up. You know, they got in the elevator with him and, and uh, said, you know, have you seen your wife? They started questioning him. So oh, there's a doggy. Yeah, there's, there's a beauty old doggy. So that is that's what happened. That's the murder. Mm. So now wow. now it's a a matter of you know. Joni says this a lot, and I agree with her. We've done cases, Vince Lee, freaking mm-hmm. Canada bus. If you haven't heard the Vince Lee story, guys, oh my god, Greyhound bus. I mean, you, what do we do with these guys? And Johnny kept saying that too. But I, you know, I've done a lot of these stories, so I kind of have a better, or not a better, but I have a different kind of view. But she was really, she's really concerned about, you know, what do we do with these guys? Obviously, let's be honest, any jury is going to say, hey, you know, look at this freaking brain scan. And this is the first brain scan that was admitted to the jury to see. And this is where the brain scan, and it, it kind of opened a Pandora's box because now everybody is putting their brain scans in. But doubtedly, no one's brain looked like this. I mean, this right. is this is overkill. There is literally a, an entire black hole emitted from his brain. Right. If you go to talkmore.com, you'll see this. There is literally a part of his brain that is not there. It is there, but it is covered and is completely useless and is completely rewired by a, an arachnoid system. So what do you do with these guys? Like, obviously, he's a killer. You can't you can't let him on the street because this might happen again. What do you do with these guys, right? So that's the thing. Anyway, you guys are probably wondering what happened. He took a plea deal, second degree. 
actually it was second degree murder at first turns into manslaughter I believe it was anywhere from 7 to 21 years in prison. He was happy to do that. Well, not happy, but at the, you know, the circumstances. It was what it was. And then he ends up serving 14 years. He gets out and then he kills himself. He kills himself after he's released. After he's released. That's terrible. And that is how that story ends. Very tragic story. And, and. I had put some links here. I put them on talkmore.com, but was he just overcome by his guilt of the whole situation or like how, how long after I mean, at, got- at this point he's 80. Yeah. But how long after he got out of prison, did he end up shooting himself? In he the was face? relatively quick. And another reason is he found, so he spent 14 years in prison and this was, you know, he was 80 when he got out or, or whatever. He had found a, one of those wives that, uh, Jailbird wives. Jailbird wives or whatever. So he got and married again. No judgment, people. Yeah, her name was Birdie, and they got married, and then she just basically stuck with him until he was out, and then she divorced him. So after that, he pretty much had nothing. There's a lot of stuff I'm going to put on talkmore.com. A lot of things go into his case specifically. Uh, For instance, this is from uh, the New York Times. It starts with Mr. Weinstein's cyst. And like I said, this is a a landmark case. This is the reason why we allow brain scans to be presented to a a jury, which I believe is a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, especially, I mean, because if you submit a brain scan and there's obviously no trauma or whatever, you're not going to, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you do have trauma, CTE or whatever, I, I don't know if they can tell DID or whatever in a brain scan. But if whatever the case is, the the rule of law here in America, I don't know about the UK, is if you try an insanity sort of defense, there's either there's either two way there's either two ways you can get not get out there's either two ways you can be not guilty for one of these defense is if you were not in your right mind at all so let's say a did patient go back to the laughing jack murder Mm -hmm. for instance that we just did or if you are held under duress go back to the uh, bryce rhodes rapper kentucky rapper remember those guys were held under duress Mm -hmm. you better you better stab this guy or i'm gonna stab you type of shit Mm -hmm. so those are pretty much the reasons you can get away with murder i I say get away and it's not really the right terminology but you can be acquitted you'd be acquitted for murder so those two things right there and now you know now obviously he was in his mind his right mind as his you know, he wasn't another personality or blacked out or whatever. But, you know, what do you do? Johnny kept bringing that up to me. You know, what do you do with these people? What do you do with my father who was a nice guy, would never do this, but you can't trust it because he can't, he's got his cyst. You know, I mean, this might happen again and it ain't his fault. He can't get it removed. The papers, Johnny said the papers said that. He refused to get his cyst removed, but the bottom line is, if you get that cyst removed, I don't think he could. You're dead. You you either dead. I mean, the doctors told him you're either dead or you're a vegetable if you get that cyst removed. 
And the majority of a lot of people have these cysts, not I mean, a very small population, but more people have them than they know. You only really know if you have these cysts, if you get an MRI, they don't really affect too much unless they are like on your frontal lobe. For instance, I said that Ohio State uh, football coach has one. Urban Meyer. And he says, okay, you know, I guess I'll just keep living my life. And and, and you can live your whole life like that. Mm-hmm. You, you definitely can't get it drained or taken out because you, that's a death sentence. But like him in 2018, he found that cyst. I mean, he's going to, there's nothing you can do, man. Like you, you got a cyst, you know, and it's not like a, a normal cyst where you can drain it. It's it's embedded into your brain. That's why they call the arachnoid cyst it tentacles down into your freaking lobes. Mm. Anyway, I don't know. What do you guys think? That was a story. It is an interesting story for sure. Joni, thank you yes, for thank reaching you. out thank to you, us. Thank you, Joni, for thank reaching you. out. Thank you, Joni. Thank you, Darren, for setting up that interview uh, for me. Darren, our good friend, Talco Supremo, UK. He was on live chat earlier, but he is in the UK, so it's like there. So he... It got off. Thank you so much for setting that interview up. Uh, Joni West, her book, Full Frontal Murder. A memoir. You want to have this book at least on your shelf? I told Joni, you know, a lot of people say this to her. Hey, you know, you're a fantastic author. I can't wait to see your next book or whatever. But this is a memoir. So she was like, well, you know, what am I going to write? You know, what should I write? (laughs) This is it, man. Well, well, this is what I told her. I was like, you know what? You have done all this research on brain. And she's really fascinated with brain disorders like the Capgras syndrome. I think that's what it's called, where you think your significant other or somebody is a uh, replacement clone. So I was like, you should write some more books about that. So I think she's got that in her mind. But anyway, that that's the story. And thank you guys so much on live chat. D, Darren, Sydney, Wolfie, Chris, Katie, missing anybody? Tia. Tia. This was brand, a great show. Yeah, thanks, guys. Brand new. Uh, damn, the lights like completely changed. Did they not? Yeah, they, they did. did. What the fuck? Did you have it on this time? <laughs> the lights have completely changed. Thank you, everyone, for getting on. Tia, thank you so much. Brand new Supremo, you're amazing. Thank you so much for thank that you, compliment. Tia. Thank you so much for saying that to Nicole. Uh, talkmurder.com slash join to support us. Talkmurder.com to see all these photos. I'm going to get Joni on there so she can comment and reply. If you guys want to talk to her, she is, she is freaking down to earth, man. And she will... She will definitely... Uh, tell you anything you want to know. Sydney says, great story. Sorry, guys, on live chat, it was a little long. You know. That was a good one, though. Haven't got freaking drunk in a while. I just kind of want to get fucking drunk. y'all now know the unedited versions of this episode. Yes. Until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.